listening to On the Road with Mike and Yogi, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Welcome to show 129. We've got a bit on this week. Simon O'Hara, CEO of Road Freight New South Wales, comes in for a chat about the conference they've got there, 2nd of March. Chat about what's going on in general and a couple of hot button topics to uh, have a look at as well. Uh, parking down the Port of Botany, for example. Rob Free chimes in with a couple of funny stories about let offs with policemen in New South Wales. Half his luck. Tim Beaver's back. Who makes the buying decisions when you purchase your car and talks about the economics of it? We've got the news. Yogi's going to be in with the news. Bob McMillan back for something to talk about. Andy's back in again. He's been interviewing old mate Pepper from Hurricane Falls. Got a couple of their tracks to play. Big show. Let's go. Pepper from Hurricane Fall, and you're listening to On the Road Radio and Podcast. Hey, it's Tim Beaver from Tim Beaver's 4x4 Reviews. Today we're going to talk about how being sensible when purchasing vehicles holds us back. Manufacturers say time and time again that it's women that drive vehicle buying behaviour. And let's face it, women are more sensible than men in many ways. What are the cars that men traditionally covet? Muscle cars, sports cars, supercars, four-wheel drives. But let's look at the new sensible cars that are out there. They're predominantly fuel-efficient, electric cars, passenger cars, SUVs and soft-road four-wheel drivers. Now, I've been a fortunate bloke when it comes to cars. I owned a Porsche when I was 25. I had a Toyota 86. Over time, I've acquired and built four four drives, none of which were sensible. People have openly said that I've wasted my money, but have I? I paid 50,500 for a Jeep nine years ago that's now probably worth $45,000. I paid $4,000 for another Jeep that's probably now worth $10,000. I paid $800 for another Jeep that's worth now about $700. My brother spent $35,000 on a 100 series Toyota Sahara that is probably now worth $10,000 more than he bought it eight years ago. And I have a Navara uh, that I paid $45,000 for that's now probably worth $45,000. Now let's cover off what are the deemed sensible characteristics of cars. We talk about safety reliability, fuel economy, warranty, technology, and tax advantages. But let's look at this as a human. Are you going to drive a new car hard off-road? No. Should you modify a vehicle if you're not? No. Are you likely to go on that big trip in your own country if you haven't modified your vehicle? No. So what are you likely to do instead? You're probably going to go on an overseas holiday. So there's your first trap. 
I spent less building two of my four-wheel drives than a decent overseas holiday, and you need to keep doing that year after year. That's a recurring expenditure you don't need if you've got the cars you want. Because my four-wheel drives are niche and desirable, they will hold their value. But what do you think will happen to that comfortable, sensible SUV you bought? I saw this phenomenon when I bought a BMW X3 for $8,000. It had a three-litre diesel in it, and it was a pleasure to drive. That vehicle was probably $80,000 brand new about 10 years prior, and it only had 110,000 Ks on it. Now, I put 90,000 kilometres on that car, I hammered it, and I subsequently sold it for $7,000. So I got, what is it, 90,000 kilometres worth of value for $1,000, and the guy before me who paid $80,000 for it got only 110,000 kilometres. Name me a cheaper car than that. And I got told I was crazy for buying that too. It was too old, what if something goes wrong? That guy dropped a house deposit on depreciation and he was the sensible one. It's just completely dumb. And if you're like me with four cars, it doesn't even really matter if something goes wrong. You just pick up the keys to one of the others while you repair it. And if you're only doing 5,000 kilometres a year on four cars, they're going to last a long time. Now, insurance rego does cost money, but it's nothing compared to depreciation. Even the variance in fuel economy is nothing compared to depreciation. Think about it. You can improve your lifestyle, your cash flow, you can have a hobby, you've always got a vehicle available to you, and you've got the things you want. So if your partner is nagging you to do the sensible thing, educate her, pull her aside and explain the variables. And don't listen to your mum and dad. You need to be your own boss and rock the weapon you've always wanted. I'm Tim Beaver and I exercise every day and you should too. G'day, I'm Simon O'Hara. I'm CEO of Road Freight New South Wales. I'd love to invite you along to our conference on 2 March at Cockle Bay at Darling Harbour in Sydney. Uh, We're holding it at the Docklands. It's going to be a cracker conference. We've got over 200 people coming along. It's dedicated only to freight. We'd love to see you there. You can check out the tickets at the Road Freight New South Wales website. And just for this program only, we've got a special rate, an operator rate of $300 per ticket. Sign up, come along, have a great day. We're going to have some great food. We're going to have some great speakers we're going to have politicians there you're going to get a chance to ask questions but most of all you're going to have the opportunity to talk to other people in the freight industry and have a good time and relax and make sure that you come along for what will be a great day thank you g'day andy here once again putting another great aussie music artist in the spotlight This week we're speaking with Pepper DeRoy from the Aussie country rock outfit Hurricane Fall. Now Hurricane Fall is Pepper DeRoy, Jesse V, Lachlan Coffey, Tim Hickey and Luke Wielden. The band has a high voltage sound and presence their fans have come to love, bursting with pounding drums, a wall of guitars and stellar vocal performances. They've just released their brand new single, Unbreakable, fresh off the back of performances at the Tamworth Country Music Festival, and they're in the early stages of what is set to be a huge year for the band. 
They'll be performing in their own right as well as touring with the legend Lee Kernigan as his touring band, the role they've taken over from the Wolf Brothers, who've been Lee's backing outfit for the past 10 years. They are a super busy band and not at all easy to get hold of, so it's a great privilege for me this week to have been able to get some time together with vocalist Pepper D. Roy to find out all I can about the Aussie music powerhouse that is Hurricane Fall. Pepper, it's great to have you with us, mate. Thanks for joining us on the road. Andy, appreciate it, mate. Getting us on the podcast and the newly formed radio station. Amazing. Very quickly, what's the Reader's Digest version, if you will, of how the band originally came together? <laughs> the quick summary is JV and I. So there's two lead singers in Hurricane Falls, so Jesse and myself. Yep. And I actually knew Jesse's dad from ages ago. So, you know, we sort of knew each other and we stumbled across each other when we both moved to Newcastle because we're both from Tamworth. Okay. And, you know, we got together and started writing some music and that music sort of came out to be country. So here we are. From there, Jesse knew Dusty, the drummer, and we had a couple of other members before, but they all sort of moved on. And then we got the band to what it is today. Dusty's from, he's from Tamworth as well. So we got him on board and then Luke, the guitarist, and Tim, the keyboard player and guitarist. So yeah, we've had this current lineup for about five years. Yeah, fantastic. Mate, Hurricane Fall is legendary for the band's live shows. For someone who might not have seen you guys performing live, can you describe to us what a Hurricane Fall gig looks like? Look, I've always got something to prove, I guess. Mm -hmm. There's a fair bit of tension within the band, not on a malicious level, but certainly a competitive level. Healthy, creative tension. Exactly. Yeah. So we're always out there to give it our best, and if someone doesn't give their best and plays poorly, they get it from the other guy. So there's always that underlying pressure to always perform well, and I think that sort of comes out, the tension comes off the stage as energy. Yeah. I guess that's why we're such an energetic band all the time. Yeah. That, along with the fact that we just love playing live music and love exploring you know, new areas and improving ourselves in new crowds. So that's why it's such an explosive performance every single time. Right. Now, obviously, with all that positive live energy and, dare I say, insanely great musicianship. Thanks, Eddie. It's not hard to see how you caught Lee Kernigan's eye and made him say, hey, I want that band. <laughs> how did that all come about? Yeah, it was funny, actually. We thought that he'd seen us at the Gimpy Muster yeah. and that we knew the Wolf Brothers were moving on and needed a new band. So we thought it was just after that, but it was actually a friend of ours, Jane Denham, who sort of put a word in for us and said, you know, if you're looking for a new band, these guys are really, yeah. we've toured a bit with Jane and she knows what the band's all about. So we sort of have to say thank you to her for initially setting it up. Yeah, then when Lee came down, he got in contact with us. We learned some songs, some, some dusty songs, actually, that I'd never thought I'd ever play in a band. Right. And then we learned the songs. After playing two songs, he said, you guys got the job. So Fantastic. Yeah, it was very rewarding and very humbling to be acknowledged by such a legend of the industry. Oh, for sure. Speaking of legends and people that have paid their dues, you mentioned there Jane Denham before. Jane was actually one of the very first artists we talked to on the road and have spoken with her a number of times, and she's become a really great friend of On the Road. So you're mixing with the right folk there. <laughs> yeah, we think so. She's an amazing artist, and I love her trucking songs, actually. That's really where it's at for me with her. So she's in the States at the moment, actually, doing a song with Colt Ford. So exciting things happening for Jane. Ah, good. Thank you for that. We'll chase her up again. Yeah. You guys have got some serious touring going down this year with a truckload of gigs both in your own right and working with Lee as well. What's coming up? It's going to be a trucking good time, Andy. <laughs> but April is insanely busy. Yeah. We've just picked up the Boardwalk Country Music Festival, which is all over Australia. And I haven't told the Miso about that one yet, okay. so that one's going to be a bit of tension there, I think, at home. But oh, yeah. 
on one day in particular, we've got two festivals on the one day. So we'll be jumping in a plane and play, playing every morning and then playing every night uh, somewhere else in Queensland. So, yeah, it's an insane touring schedule and it's only going to get worse, I think, towards the end of the year. So when I say worse, I mean better, yeah. but worse for our family life. Well, for a band that loves playing live, Amazing. it's going to be heaven on a short stick for you. Yeah, exactly. Your new single, Unbreakable Pepper, you were saying before about yourself and Jesse doing all the writing together. Yep. You wrote the song together, did you, or does the band write as a whole? Or? We write as a whole. Jesse, Luke, the guitarist, and myself write a fair bit. His song's actually been written by Luke. Okay. I think I wrote the second verse, but Luke put the song together, and the whole premise of the idea is Luke's idea. So he was sort of lamenting one day when he was picking his son up about the struggles that we all have, and yeah. no matter where you are in life, you know, the struggles you're billionaire or you're not you know the, the troubles are just the same in the human race we all experience those same struggles and dramas so he was just lamenting on that and he put it into a song so yeah we're pretty happy with it fantastic well guys you've really got to see and hear hurricane fall live so if you're anywhere near a venue where they're playing in their own right or working with lee kernigan do yourself the old molly favor and check them out we're going to play the new single in just a moment pepper really appreciate you finding the time to come and play on the road with us today mate no, thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. My brother's a trucker, so he, he's a livestock trucking guy. So, yeah, it's good to talk to you and great work with the show. Good on you, mate. Thank you for that. To finish up, would you please introduce your new single for us? Yeah, this is Hurricane Fall and Unbreakable. There's no light without the dark, no fire without the spark. You feel empty in your heart, you're not alone. There's no joy without the pain.
There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On The Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Every week for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to individuals who have been asked to join the Rest Area Steering Committee chaired by Senator Glenn Stirl. This week, I've caught up with Craig Forsyth. Craig's a board member on the National Road Freighters Association. He put his hand up. Questions are, Craig, why did you put your hand up and what do you hope to achieve? Well, one of the reasons I put my hand up was to ensure that the industry actually had a say. Um, that's That was my main reason, and um, I'm happy to have some input. have travelled around a bit, so... I believe I can have my say. What do you hope to achieve? Well, I hope to achieve some rest areas out of it, but primarily in the right spot. Yeah. And I think that's that's what we all need and that they're built to a standard that, that suits us all and not over the top. As Rod Hanifi says, we're not after gold-plated Taj Mahals. We're just after safe places to stop and have a good opportunity for a good sleep. Yeah. And to help people understand where, where those are and that it's not a service centre, it's a rest area. Yeah. That's what we need. And maybe a toilet. The hot topic of discussion at the moment is metropolitan rest areas and metropolitan parking for trucks. Do you think that that's going to be something that's going to come up in the conversation? Oh, I think the word botany will be probably one of the first words spoken there. I know that would please you. Oh, no, mate, it'll definitely please me. It'll please many other people as well. It's pretty hard to, to get a parking spot down there. Yeah, and I was reading there last night about security guards waking up drivers to move them along. You know, I just I hope we can we can do something about that as well. That type of behaviour needs to stop. That's purely in the control of uh, the people that manage and employ those security guards, I think. But uh... correct. Right, oh, Craig. Thanks very much for that. We'll uh, catch you down the track, mate. See you on the road. No worries, Mike. Thank you. Copy there, Andy. That's a go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesel. Yeah, no, it's no joke, really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing. More to the point, these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of bridge strikes. 
They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland, right? Yeah, good looking too, just like us. <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height. I'd like to welcome Simon O'Hara, CEO of Road Freight New South Wales, back to the show. It's been a while since you've been here, Simon. Oh, Mike, it has. Mainly we talked about the pandemic before, didn't we? Good while ago, mate. It was, uh, it was a very, very joyful experience for all of us in the transport industry. Oh, and there was the Ad Blue. That's the one, the Ad Blue shortage. Yes. I see that they're still charging a good price at the pump for that. We sort of haven't gone back, have we? <laughs> yeah, no, they have. They've done very well yeah. uh, at the pump. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. But I, I was driving to work this morning and I uh, noted at uh, Metro Fuels that uh, the diesel was the same cost as the uh, as uh, both the premium petrol and the, um, and the non-premium petrol. So oh, really? glory okay. be. Glory be. Some sanity is Unbelievable. Mate, uh, what we've got you here for today is to talk about the upcoming Road Freight New South Wales conference on the uh, 2nd of March. That's Thursday, the 2nd of March, being held at Dockside Cockle Bay Wharf there. Yeah. Mate, that looks like it's going to be a pretty sterling sort of an event. Look, look our conferences... Uh I always have a really good turnout. We have some great people coming along to speak. It's going to be a cracker of a day, particularly if it's a hot day. So we're going to be there at Darling Harbour uh, near the water. We've changed our location from out at Sydney Olympic Park where we had the conferences in previous years. And, and we've decided to come into the big smoke and, um, you know, give people an opportunity to sample a bit of Sydney. You know, given the pandemic and all the rest of it, we just thought it was time for a bit of a change. Uh, people can come in. They can have a few drinks afterwards. In fact, they can have a couple of drinks beforehand if they'd like, if they're that brave. But, yeah, <laughs> look... Idea. A good spot, uh, great location, great views, easy to get to, lots of train stations, lots of parking. The main thing is when you come to a conference, you want good speakers, you want good food and you want good company. And what we're doing as well is this might be a bit different to other people's conferences, but what we like to do is make sure that people can have a drink at lunch. So if you want a drink, you can have a drink. Uh, we're all adults. Have a drink at lunch. Yeah. You can't do that every day, but, you know. It could be a long lunch. You won't oh, get it won't be a long conference. lunch because we can't afford <laughs> to make it a long lunch. Um, Do you what's some of the fellows that I'd turn up at a conference with? We just make, we just make time. We would make them. Well, look, Mike, for you, anything. But, um, you know, it's going to be a good day. We've got some terrific speakers. We've got... Speakers like Sam Faraway turning up, uh, who you know, Minister right. Faraway. We've got met him the other day. Yeah, yeah. and Jenny Atchison. She's the shadow uh, rural and regional roads, which is terrific. And we've got John Graham, who's the um, senior roads minister. Uh, and we might have a great guest appearance from Senator Glenn Stirl. Uh, he's always a friend of Road Freight New South Wales. Great to see him. Would be great to have him along. Um, and, you know, we've got some speakers from Transport for New South Wales. We're going to have an operators panel. So we're going to have four, four operators up there that can talk about their experiences, and it's not just going to be from one group. It's going to be containers, line haul, uh, country uh, carriers. Uh, we're going to have a really good lineup uh, of individuals who know what they're talking about, have been in the business for a long time. Uh, some, we've got one, we've got one there that's been in, 
been involved for about 40 years. Uh, so we're going to get them up before the politicians speak because what we want to do is, you know, particularly for the shadow ministers and the minister, we want them to hear what our operators have to go through and they're going to be raising a range of issues. And the good thing about our conferences is that you can pop up and ask a question. There's no issue. Um, it's meant to be a debate of ideas and people can come along um, and ask those questions uh, and listen to what's being put on offer. Uh, so we've got some great speakers, BPs coming along. They're going to talk about alternative fuels, which is excellent. And we're going to have uh, speakers speakers from iCare as well, which will be uh, terrific because they'll talk about uh, workers' comp, as it used to be known, uh, which is terrific. And we're going to have a, a great lunch where there's going to be plenty of food and plenty of time to have a bit of mingling and a bit of a chat because I know that's important. People want to have a conversation. Uh, and we've got, you know, really good roll-up of awards, which we've put on each year. You know, we've got an outstanding contribution to the New South Wales trucking industry. Now, that has been won in the past by Lee Smart from Formula Chemicals, who's, you know... Oh, mate, Lee. He, he's, a, he, he's a crackerjack guy who's done some great work, both in charity but also for his business. Uh, we've had Frank Johnston uh, from Johnston's Transport. Now, they have been foundation members of ours. They... Um, in fact, joined Road Freight New South Wales when we started, which was 1893. So they've been with us for over 100 years. And Frank won the award a couple of years ago, and that was terrific. Uh, and so we've also got Best uh, Safety Culture, Transport Woman of the Year, Professional Driver. So if there are any people out there that want to put their application in, go for it. Uh, if there's any truckies out there that want to put their application in they go for it. Uh, we've got the Best Industry Newcomer as well, which is the Rising Star Award, because we think particularly we need to ensure that, you know, the young ones that are coming through, that we recognise them, because we need to start inculcating into the industry this, this, this tradition of recognising new and emerging talent. And that's really yeah. important because that's, I think, where we're falling over. The livestock is doing an excellent job of that. They do. They, they've got their uh, their uh, awards that they hold and recognise the, the new and up-and-comers. And, but I think it's an important thing too to, to sort of develop those, I suppose, relationships early on and get people motivated to, to join the industry and show that there are paths to come in here and start to do work in a good industry. That's spot on the money. That's spot on, which is why we're putting together this award. This is a new award for us. Uh, so we, what we want to do, particularly around Sydney, is... Um, you know, get some of our members to look at their workforce and go, well, this is a, a, a terrific individual. Uh, he or she's only been at it for a couple of years or been at it for 10 years. They're young. We'd like to recognise it. And the good thing about awards, Mike, is that mm. companies can nominate people to get an award and it costs them nothing. This is a great way of recognising talent within the industry without touching your bottom line. And the thing is that you get the media, we make sure that our nominations go up to the Australian Trucking Association so that there's uh, national recognition potentially, uh, and then they go in the running for the national awards as well. So there's a lot of good here, and um, we suggest that the industry needs to look at these awards and uh, put their bills put their best foot forward and make sure that uh, their their employees are you know recognized i take it with the panel that you're going to have sitting there on the uh, conference day you, you, is is my friend ann lopez going to be on one of those ann lopez will actually be the moderator and she'll also right, be eh? speaking about the um the issues that face her business, which is Lopez Brothers, uh, she's terrific. Yeah. Uh, she, she she also sits on our board. 
which is wonderful. Yeah, right. uh, Anne's, Anne's terrific. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of Anne. Uh, I took over her. I took over her yard in Sydney for about a week with the water run and altruistic outpouring of, of support for what I was doing. And uh, I can't speak highly enough of Lopez Brothers. They uh, they were fantastic to me and to the people of Coonabaraban and Baradine. I think that's where I first met you, wasn't it? No, we met before. We met a couple of years before. I think I think when you were involved with the uh, with uh, some of those ATA issues at truck stops uh, uh, at the yeah. BP truck stops, we had a bit of a chat there once. Um, uh, but no, we met uh, years before that. Uh, I'm surprised it's not seared into your memory, Mike. Um, <laughs> frankly, frankly, a bit disappointed. Um, I've, I've, I've almost got this mental sort of frame picture of meeting you the first time. Okay. Oh, oh dear, dear, no, 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 come on, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, we've also got Amar Singh coming along. Now, he's the founder of Turbans for Australia, and he does some great he charity is. work. And this year, he was the winner of the Local Australian of the Year, so a massive, massive there. effort by Amar, and he's coming along to speak. And that should be a really inspirational uh, speech for all of the transport industry, given that he's in the transport industry. So, well, Armar and I started the uh, Harmony Day thing together. That's right. We, we did that, and uh, an awesome individual. Uh, in fact, I've I've been meaning to have a chat to him about his award. It looks like I'm going to have to come down on Thursday with a microphone. You have some few who, you're going to have a who's who there. Mate. Oh, you should come along, Mike. You should. The, the <laughs> only problem is that I might because whenever I think of you, I think of Hank. I think of Hank Williams, oh, no. not Mike Williams. <laughs> uh, so if I called you Hank, I'm really talking no. to you. Um, but Hank was a very talented man. Yes, yes, he was. Yes, he was. Uh, and look, we've also got Paul Savardi coming along from the NHVR. So you'll be able to ask a few questions there about the New South Wales transition. Uh, and he's coming along with the team. So they're always open to questions. The good thing about the NHVR, whether you like or lump them or whatever you think, is that they're always prepared to take questions and they're particularly good in forums like this. So come along yeah, and ask some they questions uh, and make sure that you can get the answers that you're seeking. And we've also got uh, Scotty Greenow from uh, Transport for New South Wales. He's coming along. Uh, and anyone that knows Scott knows that he's always up for a question uh, and an answer. So he's coming along. Uh, but the good news is as well, we've got um, guys like John Preston, uh, who's a container operator, and he's been at it for a fair while. He knows just about everything involving the port and containers. Um, and he's been also our chair of the container subcommittee for some years. Uh, so it'd be great to have him along. And we've got Scotty Hanna coming along as well, who you might know. Uh, now, Scotty's a real larrikin and a real character. Yes. Um, yeah. Got a lot of time for Scott. He does a great job, runs a really successful business, uh, but he's also got a really good turn of phrase and he's and I think there's a lot we could learn from Scott. Um, and, of course, Sally Tipping, who you know. Uh, I do know Sally. Uh, so she's coming along as well. She's on that panel uh, from Tipping's Transport and um, uh, Sally is just wonderful. Uh, we're, we're so lucky to have her coming along uh, and we're going to enjoy Wife to a trackie. Hey? Wave to it. Wave, Wave to, to a, a truckie. truckie. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. And we'll have uh, those stickers and all the rest of it there. And we're going to have some great sponsors and partners that are coming along who will be, um, you know, providing, you know, some expertise to the to the freight industry to ensure that we get the best advice. Um, some of whom, you know, like Lindy uh, Material Handling, they're coming along. 
yeah. uh, and they've been great uh, partners with us in the past. Uh, and we've got Teletrack Navman now. Uh, Teletrack have always been terrific partners to Road Freight New South Wales. They'll be there along with MT Data. Uh, and we've got the awards, which are sponsored by the ATA, which is terrific. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, and we've also got uh, Jared Maloof and partners coming along. Now they're lawyers, uh, so don't be afraid. Yep. But if you've got any questions relating to uh, whether it be, you know, wills or your own business, um, you know, ask them a few questions. Uh, and, of course, Volvo's coming along, which is terrific, which is a, a great sponsor to have along. Uh, and yeah. um, they're supporting us this year. And we've got the likes of NTI, of course, and the New South Wales government and, and Transurban, and they're supporting us. So they're supporting the freight industry, which is terrific uh, on this front. Um, so, yeah, we've got a really good roll-up. And, of course, Greenway Partners are coming along, and we're really happy to have them along. They've been... Um, partners with us for some time and they've been really terrific uh, along with eye care and uh, bp and others uh, who are supporting us g'day folks it's simon here from the atlas balance company what if i could save you a minimum of 25 percent wear on your truck and bus tires as well as seven percent in fuel not just on this set of tires but every set for the life of your rig i dare you have a crack at the atlas balance rings with their 100 day money back guarantee now's the time to jump online at atlasbalance.com.au and we'll ship to you australian made australian owned remember it's atlas it's balanced well, before we, before we wind down, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about a couple of the transport issues that you might be facing at the moment that you're really looking to address, and particularly the, uh, the one that's in the news at the moment of interest to me in particular, and many others, is the DG parking at the ports, mate. What, what are you guys looking at at the moment? You and I had a conversation about a year ago. I think it was about a year ago and we had a chat about it. Yeah, and look, you called me and said, look, we've got a number of guys that are just ropeable because they're being woken up at the port. Um, you've got security guards banging on the doors. And so straight away, I I understood straight away what you were saying. And so I rang the port and I said, hey, look, guys, you're banging on the doors of tired truckies. All they're trying to do is rest because they have to rest. And you know this, uh, they're... You know, if they don't rest or they don't stop, then they're in breach. And that's the last thing we want. And uh, so I raised it with them. And then they said, look, look, it's a new system. We're moving them along. I said, look, that's that's, that's a real issue. Is there anywhere else we can set them up to park uh, at the port precinct? And um, they said no. And so I, I got on Google Maps while I was talking to them. I said, hey, wait a minute. Let's just have a look at these maps. I see a vacant piece of land right here. Can't we use that? And uh, he, and he said to me, well, where's that? And I said, look, you just, here, I'm going to send you the picture so you can see exactly where I'm talking about. It's on Google Maps, about, you know, 300 metres from where you are talking to me and you can have a look. And so the answer came back, no. No, we're going to be developing that site. And I said, well, couldn't I use it in the interim, you know, until it's developed? Uh, because, you know, it looks like a pretty good spot. That's the old fuel terminal site. We were yeah, that's them, right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. And, yep. and so I, I put that to them, and then later, a week later, I had a meeting, a Zoom meeting with them, and said, "Hey, look, this isn't you know good enough. This is a problem." Um, uh, and if you know anything about Greater Sydney, we know that 
there's no dedicated New South Wales government rest areas. I mean, there might be Uncle Leo's, there might be Sydney Park, uh, there might be the side of the road, but there's no dedicated areas for truckies to stop up and rest. And so when you go to the port and you're coming from Wagga or you're coming from Albury, or even if you're coming from the Illawarra, you need somebody, you need somewhere to be able to stop and rest. So I raised that directly with the powers that be. They indicated that they, you know, had put in place a new system, which was the security guards, and that no, we couldn't use those those vacant lots um, to park up. Uh, and so what I'm going to do now is, given that the issues come up again, I've had a chat with the NRFA, which is terrific, and a really good new board member you've got there, really. Uh, <laughs> he, he seems as keen as mustard, which is excellent. Uh, so what I'm going to oh, do... he is. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to publicise this a bit more and I'm going to raise it in the quarterly meetings we have, we have with Transport for New South Wales. But what I'm also thinking we might do is we might bring it up at the Port Logistics Task Force meetings uh, because this is an issue and the problem... The problem with the port precinct sometimes is that it can be a little bit of a sort of, you know, closed off group. And what I really love to do is, you know, make sure that um, tired truckies have somewhere to rest. And, and you know, the one of our seven election points that we've raised with both the current government and the opposition has been truck rest areas, particularly around Greater Sydney area. And look, we applaud these rural and regional areas and particularly when you've got drivers coming through New South Wales but we've got a lot of drivers in Greater Sydney or coming into Greater Sydney that may not be coming from out of state uh, that might be you know based in, in in and around Sydney or at least in New South Wales and they need somewhere to be able to rest I mean well, it's not a it's not a five minute drive from uh, from Wagga or no. or Dubbo or you know you, and the and the thing about it is, I think Simon, the point that needs to be made to some of these guys is that they're they're trying to do the right thing and get into somewhere like the port early, mm. away from the traffic, mm. and, and have somewhere safe to pull up at at the other end. There's a whole marshalling area there where where unfortunately the signage says no no dangerous goods vehicles allowed. Makes me wonder what happens to containers that have actually got dangerous goods inside them. Where do they park? That's exactly I mean, right. We've got to be a little bit pragmatic about this. They've stopped all the parking for trucks around Friendship Drive. You can't park out the front of terminals now, for example. That's all barricaded off. Yes. I mean, I appreciate that there are a number of concerns about things like sanitary issues, you know, no facilities. Mm -hmm. But but this is in and of itself an issue. I think we need to uh, to look more seriously at it. I mean, you look at the whole airport precinct out at Badgerys Creek there. There's not a... There's not a dedicated truck parking That's area exactly right, and something there. I've raised. We look around Eastern Creek, and uh, some companies out at Eastern Creek take the mickey, I think, a little bit, parking their trailers out in the street. Um, but you go and try and try and uh, get a rest at uh, Eastern Creek there or one of the twin Caltexes on the M4, you've really got to be lucky. There's a lot more than 10 trucks in this country. Sydney paints itself as a global city, right? Mm. And, and look, don't get me wrong, I love Sydney. Yeah, but love it too. It... Yep. it, it, it paints itself as a global city but when you look at it when you get down to tic tacs it really isn't particularly for the freight industry the question here is do we have enough rest areas in greater sydney for truckies 
And the answer unequivocally is no. So therefore, the answer is why not? And what can we do about it? The issue aside from the sort of electoral um, pork barrelling that goes on during elections and all the rest of it aside from that, there's a legitimate substantive question here about why aren't we looking at the dignity and respect for truckies like we did during the pandemic and Senator Stirl was a great advocate and it was a pleasure to work with him on these issues. The problem for us is in Sydney is why don't we have these rest areas it's particularly at such fundamental infrastructure like the port. You know it's yeah. not good enough that we say yeah come in pick up your container or drop it off and then go. I mean where do you stop? At the twin servos at Pheasant's Nest mm-hmm. which is now a construction yard anyway. Or do you wait until you're sort of near Wollongong? I mean, yeah. Well, there's no, there's nowhere to stop. I mean, you mentioned if you're coming north into Sydney, and you're going to the port, you've got the freeway to go all the way to the port unless you're a DG truck, and you've got to divert down through Beck. That's right. I mean, to me, that's a nonsensical thing in itself. There's a whole other conversation about that. Guys are trying to get in there and out of there at low traffic times for their own safety and sanity, and everyone else's. And to say that you just can't park here, I mean, there's that whole area along Foreshore Drive there where there's no standing signs all the way along that's, there. That's, that's right. And, uh, I mean, when the truckies ask where do we park and they're, mm. they're told where they can park, I mean, some of those roads that they're told to park along the side of, I mean, there's like centimetres well, between them and the, the cars or the trucks going past. And, I mean, it's hardly yeah. like you're going to get restful, decent sleep, one. And, two, it's not really safe. No, well, there's a video now of a truck being hit on Military Road, which is where they teed up. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, my good God. It makes no sense. And then there's a there's a guy from Inland Petroleum, which is the news story I was referring to before, yeah. pulled up on the side of the road to change that into his overalls so he can go and load. And someone immediately pulls up and says, you can't stop here, mate. Crazy. That's That's right. That's right. And look, this whole sort of notion of uh, that somehow if truckies stop at the TMA or anywhere else in the port that they might be sort of this this Trojan horse for protesters, I'd suggest to you that that um, the truckies are probably unlikely to be supportive of protesters trying to stop them from moving. Uh, well, I mean, even if even if some protester did turn up, I would have thought that uh, having it in a safe place, having the truck in a safe place, perhaps have a little bit of security there and some facilities, eh? That's that's exactly right. Can't I agree with you more. Really. Mate, it's time we, we, we get off that horse. We've, we've, I've flogged that horse enough, I think, today. <laughs> um, uh, and I'll rely on you to take it up. And look, obviously, uh, with your, uh, your sitting minister and your one that's standing in opposition, if they both know about the problem, and I'm sure that they do, they do. then perhaps that might be a, a question for the panel or something. But anyway. The issue is one that really involves a bit of focus from government on the issue of trucky welfare. The question is, why is it good enough during the pandemic that we focus on these things, but when we come out of it, that it's... <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That's a cynical laugh. Mate. <laughs> I know. Cynical. I know. I, know. <laughs> I just, I just look at what's going on, and I think to myself, well, I wonder what would happen if uh, one of the politicians went to work, and they were told that all the toilets and showers Spot in their on. building weren't working today, Spot uh, on. and they wouldn't likely be working for the next week. 
I wonder if we would find a reason to be somewhere else. Spot on. And that's exactly right and something that we've all said for a while, which is, you know, if the white-collar workers had to endure what truckies had to put up with, they'd be, uh, they'd be riding on the streets. You've, you've diverted me back to me, me hobby horse, mate. We need to get on. There are other issues in transport that we're facing, the rising cost. I mean, what about this thing from the Grattan Institute, the whole... Let's raise the uh, fuel excise to the point where we can't afford it. Do they think that that's not going to get passed on to the customers? Yeah, look, the Grattan Institute and I have had dealings before, <laughs> um, particularly when they set a limit, a time limit on older trucks on the road. Um, yeah. Both you and I know at the moment that getting new trucks on the road is a major hassle, uh, much less keeping the older ones going, which which frankly only seem to be increasing in value lately. Uh, but in terms of the Grattan Institute's proposal, uh, thought bubble uh, that went out, look, I think it's important sometimes that um, we have these sorts of debates and that we, yeah. you know, various opinions can be aired. And I think, I think we aired our opinion both privately and publicly very clearly. And yeah. so it's good that uh, the Prime Minister's categorically ruled this out. Um, isn't, it, isn't it good? It's, uh, it's terrific and... Uh, uh, there was some good work done there at, at the national level, which is terrific. But, you know, that's not to say that there's not more to come. I, I just think in lots of ways, look, I'm a supporter of moving to hydrogen and all of those sorts of, you know, new things. But at the same time, I'm also very conscious that you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater with what currently exists in terms of, um, you know, combustion engines and... Um, there's a place for everything, Simon. I mean, there's a place for electric, there's a place for hydrogen, and there's certainly a place for diesel, and there will be for many years. That's exactly right. And this sort of thought, and I speak to people in government, and, and they think almost that EVs are going to be on the road next year, and I just look mm. at them and I shake my head. I'm like, that's yeah. that's just not that's not feasible. Uh, that's not feasible. And I have, to, I have to sort of say that to them. I say, look, it's just not feasible it's not something that's possible we can't get enough we can't get enough combustion engines into this country how long how long does it take you to get a new truck these days let alone anything else you can't buy parts i mean that's exactly (laughs) right that's exactly right all right let's just wrap that up a little bit let's head back to the conference and we'll finish off with that second of uh of march at cockle bay wharf made at dockside there and uh as you say, plenty of trains, plenty of parking, plenty of uh, very, very uh, influential and informative guests coming along. Uh, how many people do you got coming? Well, you know? well we're looking at about uh, over two hundred people, uh, which will oh, be, right yeah, on. which will be a good day, uh, good, good turnout. Um, we'll have lots of prizes as well, just to make it a bit interesting for people. It, it's always nice if you rock up and you come home with a bottle of good red or something else. One thing we want to make sure is if you turn up to a road freight New South Wales conference, then you leave as full as a goog. Uh, and that you can have a couple of beers and just relax. Um, we don't want to make it too stuffy, but we also don't want to make it too too loosey-goosey either. We want to get that right down the middle. Sounds like it's going to be a pretty good place to be on too. It'll, it'll be a good place, and I look forward to seeing you there. We'll see how we do, mate. All right, Simon, thanks for joining us on the show, mate. Take care of yourself, and I'll probably catch up with you in the near future. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. I was coming down what must have been Verima, and I hear on the radio a call out, Evil can evil northbound. And all of a sudden this police bike comes past and tucks in in front of me and does one revolution to the blue light, and I thought, whoop, okay, I'll back off a little bit here. So we backed it off to a dollar, 
and uh, off he goes. No dramas. So we're rocking along, and we get up to Church Avenue, which is the top of Skyline, if anyone knows that run. It's a long downhill stretch in towards Sydney. An old mate's got a black ute pulled up. Ah, cool, he's busy. Time to put a bit of distance between me and him. So I dropped it off Skyline. I wasn't particularly heavy at the time, but I dropped it off Skyline as quick as it'd go. I'm about two-thirds of the way down, and all of a sudden, I glance in the mirror, and red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. Oh, no, this isn't going to be good. So I pull up down the bottom, and old mate pulls up on his bike next to me. Now, I can see the radar display on his bike, so I know where this is going. I thought, oh, well, make the most of it. So the fella gets off his bike. So I've got the window open. He walks over. So I gave him a bigger smile and go, G'day, buddy, how you going? And he's looked at me like, oh, um... Good, thanks. Um, going a bit quick back there. I said, yeah, yeah, I probably was. He says, any reason for the speed? I said, well, honestly, it wouldn't go any faster. That's limited to 100. That's as quick as it'd go downhill. He just laughed. He goes, got you for a dollar twelve, And I've gone, yeah, that'd be about right. And he's looking at me a bit funny. He says, I'm following you down the hill and you're getting quicker and quicker and quicker. I said, well, mate, I wouldn't have done it if I'd known you were there, would I? And he just laughed. He goes, right, mate, license and logbook. So I hand those over. He has a bit of a skim through my logbook. No problems there. So he hands back the license and logbook and says, you know down around Goulburn they knock you off for $1.05? I said, yeah, I know. He goes, just keep a lid on it. Jumps back on his bike and off he goes. Now, I reckon that's a pretty good let off. Yeah, not too far back before where that incident happened, there's a spot called the Dipper, which is a uh, quite steep downhill down across the Nadai River and back up the other side, Mittigong. And uh, years gone by, there was uh, trees at the bottom of the hill there, uh, which the police used to hide in. Uh, these days it's been cut out a bit, so you can see a bit more clearly. And I had a mate go through about 15 minutes earlier, calls me up and says, yeah, yeah, don't worry about the Dipper, it's all clear. So I've gone, oh, beauty. So uh, being full weight, I've dropped it off the top, come flying down the dipper, and I'm about oh, two-thirds of the way down, and I see, hiding in the trees at the bottom, a police car. Ah, oh, no. On the brakes, on the jake, trying to slow it down. Suddenly the UHF crackles into life, and I hear a voice say, Dollar fourteen, you big girl. Can't you go any harder than that? And I've gone, oh, Sorry, mate. Yeah, look, I'll pull up at the top if you want. He goes, nah, don't worry about it, buddy. I wouldn't have knocked you off for less than $1.20. Now, that's a cool cop. Here on the road, it's time for the news. Well, hello, news time. I've got Yogi on here with me for the news. Where are you, mate? Uh, I am at a place called Ravensthorpe. Ravensthorpe. And what are you doing at Ravensthorpe, mate? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Sitting on the side of the road. Yeah, parked up on the side of the road at the T intersection, Ravensthorpe Lake King, going to Albany. So because I'm led to believe uh, there was fires, there was a massive fire activity down here on the south coast yesterday. Yep. And I'm kind of led to believe that there's debris and stuff across the road and, and it's still blocked until they clear it. Uh, yeah, so I'm sort of sitting here waiting because of that reason. I'm unloading down that South Coast Highway, and if I go around, it's going to be a three-hour diversion to come back to where I've got to go. Some miles will sit and wait on the side of the road for a couple of hours, and hopefully they open the road up. And 
set myself a goal, make the conclusion at about two o'clock, I reckon. So right. it's twelve thirty now and at two o'clock I'll have an idea whether I'm gonna turn and go home or yeah, wait it out. So, I'd be thinking about going over with me. Well it's been two and a half weeks away now, so yeah. it'd be yeah, but but that's a three hundred K diversion out of me way to go home. Oh. To where I've got to come back and unload at. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh catch twenty two, bud. Catch twenty two. Anyway. You, know, you know what? <laughs> what? I'm afraid of the calendar, mate. You're afraid of the calendar? I'm afraid of the calendar. Yeah. Well, think, well it's your birthday today. I think it stays a numbered. It stays. <laughs> you had me going there. I had you going there. Yeah. Did I have you going there? Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it was your birthday. No, no, no. Calendar, birthday but no, but no, but... Birthday yeah, but it stays a number. The days are numbered. That's that's on par. That's on a par. That one is right there. Do you reckon that's a, is that close to a good enough Andy joke? Do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, it's up there. Anyway, right. That's the dad joke portion. On with the news. Right. On with the news. Right. That's good. On with the news. On with the upwards. Driver distraction rules, mate, coming into play very, very shortly. I reckon we're spending too much time looking at our phones, mate. You reckon it's an issue, really? Oh, too much time looking at your phones when you've got a GPS, an electronic work diary, a navigator, <laughs> uh, your camera. Oh, you've got too much time looking at your phone. Oh, right. Do you know that in New South Wales, if someone's sitting in the passenger seat and they've got the laptop open up beside you, you can get knocked off for that? Driver distraction? No, I didn't know that, but I guess in you can't have open substances in the car, can you? Whether you've got a can of Coke or something distracted while you're driving. So yeah, well, you're I not supposed to eat either. Sort. You're not supposed to eat or drink either. Yeah, you're not supposed to eat either. Yeah, I get it. And uh, But here we are living in a two-metre by two-metre cube, and you, 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 it's your dining room, it's your lounge room, it's your bathroom, it's your bedroom, it's the whole lot. Well, I just think yeah. it's wildly amusing that you can't have a laptop open in the passenger seat beside you, but have you seen the size of one yep. of those screens in a Tesla? Yeah, they're, they're bigger than my laptop, <laughs> and I've got an old laptop. <laughs> That thing passed yeah, the ADR, right. and you can get a ticket for having someone on an iPad or a bloody. Anyway, let's not. Start. Well, they should they should hand out tickets for driving Teslas and looking at screens. Then should hand out tickets for driving Teslas. Period. That's my opinion. Victorian government is investing thirty three point seven million dollars as part of the Victorian Road Safety Strategy in twenty twenty one to twenty thirty to introduce new mobile phone and seatbelt detection camera technology that will help catch people using their mobile phones and not wearing seatbelts while driving. So they're going to roll out this on the side of the road now with the cameras with the big boom arm that come up over the highway with a couple of cameras on them. You can get done for not wearing your seatbelt in Queensland now or being on the phone. In New South Wales right now, it's only on the phone. But the whole seatbelt... The seatbelt cameras, the speed cameras, 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 cameras. Once upon a time... You're worried about you know, a policeman on the road. I honestly think a marked highway patrol car does more to modify the attitude of the drivers where it is, like seeing it there, seeing the policing actually being done than the cameras. Correct. Giving you a Correct. ticket two weeks down the track. Yeah, too, it means nothing. Too late. You just, you just, all, all it does when you get a ticket in the mail is give angst towards the authorities. That's right. But if, you, but if you're driving down the road and you see a visual force of an enforcement officer... Mm. It makes it makes a lot of difference. Yeah. Well, that I mean, but the, they're very good at hiding those patrol cars as well, aren't they? Like they stick them up the little back 
side streets and things like that, and they know you from behind. And me and you have run the Hume long enough to know they've been stuck up in the bush for a long time and shooting you from behind, double whacking a little one from behind. You yeah, know, we all know the calls yeah, yeah, <laughs> sitting yeah. in the middle there. One at logbook or money, money, or yeah, call it what you will, yeah, chopper yeah. revenue. One, yeah. one backed up in the scrub, got duck bonds, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been yeah. going on, but yeah, you did the right thing. Our old mate Ken Wilkie, you know, Ken, have you met Ken? Yeah, I have met Ken, yeah, and I have the very much the pleasure of meeting Ken, uh, at Toowoomba, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. National Road Freighters. So, I feel a bit in awe of Ken, to be honest. He's a, you know, we, we, we listen a lot and read a lot and, uh, yeah, nice, nice bloke and yeah. really good to shake his hand, actually. National Road Freighters so, Association yeah. member, old mate Ken. Yep. Uh, yep. He, he's, he's, he's written a piece in Own a Driver. I know we're, we're not, we're not supposed to, you know, quote out of, you know, but news has got to come from somewhere. Anyway, I was reading well, this. I was reading this bit, and he and he's uh, he reckons that the authorities are now bigoted towards uh, road he transport is. operators. He, he thinks we're not getting a fair go, mate. Um, Oof, well, everybody's trying to take the fun out of the job. He says the Queensland's appalling right. road toll is also a large measure of reflection of their national integrity. Take out those crashes obviously <laughs> caused by people impaired by illicit substances or grog. Those who have come to yeah. grief driving at a considerable speed and what have we got? Yeah. North and south of Brisbane. This is to quote from the story, you know, in a driver. Yeah, okay. We yeah, have yeah, two yeah. arteries that are subject to enormous volumes of casual drivers. And dare I add that casual is often combined with an absence of driver competence. <laughs> well, we, we see it in the West, you know, around harvest time. Um, yeah. We see it in, in the West around harvest time. Mm. You know, you get the uncle's brother's next door neighbour who got a truck licence in 78 and then he can, you know, he's been an accountant for a few years but yeah. comes on down to drive trucks and yeah. the next minute it's flipped over. Yeah. You know, and you kind of wonder why it has flipped over. Well, you kind of probably know why it's flipped over. I just, I just sort of think it's, you know, like, like old mate uh, Ken doesn't mince words, does he? Really? <laughs> no, no, no. I've read the article. He's not blunt. He's not backwards and coming forwards. <laughs> and it is going to, and uh, do, do yourself a, a favour, good people, and have a good read of that yeah, because yeah. the bloke is a very switched-on man and very clued up when it comes to the industry and. And he's always I'm happy to pull his weight and punch yeah. punch above his weight, and uh, hey, yeah, he's he's not he's not letting it go now. For those who don't know, Ken, he was the bloke that helped Ron Anifi get started with the uh, transport industry vehicle, the truck ride vehicle yep. back in the day. He actually donated a prime mover for yeah, he did to me, yeah, for, yeah, uh, yeah. for Rod yeah. to get started. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a thing. I mean, he certainly puts his money where his mouth is. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, we talked about it last week, uh, the next, moving along to the next story. Yeah. It's National Fatigue Week, mate, this week up until the 27th. Yep, and, uh, National Fatigue Week. Yep. And our uh, our good friend Andrea Hamilton Vaught has got that thing. Now, I know we talked about it last week, but I want to touch on it again this week. You can go to yep. the Orange and Caban Council um, Power Nap website, right? Yep. And have a bit of a look at that. And there's a, there's a lot of very, very, very interesting information on there. And I'd encourage anyone to go and have a have a bit of a squiz at that. Powernap.org.au is the web page. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, you know, one of our opening comments is, um, you know, in, in the driver pre-check and pre-start, I mean, how how will you manage your driver fatigue today? Yeah. Like, you might start the day feeling okay. Yep. You know, so, I, I, like, I mean, I'll, I'll run an example with me. Like, I've been away living in the truck now for two and a half weeks. Like, yep. I'm... I'm tired. I'm, well, I'm fatigued, not tired. Is or is there a tired, not fatigued? Yeah. You know, like I, I, I've, I've been in the truck for a long time. Yeah. Like I've had some hot days. It's been forty-fives pluses. You know, high forties. I've been sleeping well, but you just, you're just a bit. So you, you start the day thinking you've had a good sleep last night. It was yeah. cooled down last night. It was only twenty-two degrees in the truck. It was lovely. You know. Yeah. So, but you know, later on in the track, it might get a bit hot, and you start and your fatigue changes. So you've got to. Mm-hmm. You got to ask yourself in the morning those questions as to how, you know, where where is your fatigue and where is your tiredness and mm. where is your where's your mind at? It's uh, yeah, it's a big thing to have. When you're driving down the road, what's the first thing that you find that tells you you might be fatigued? For me, it's missing a gear or not being able to remember the last three k's or something like that. As soon as that happens, it's time to head for the for the rest area. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I've learned my fatigue times over the years. I've been lucky in the work that I've done is predominantly oversized. So, you know, my I I can't function after 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. It just it has I can't I just can't do it. So I'm out. So I know my tired times. I know I like to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I understand all that. But during the day, yeah, I don't know. During the day I, I my concentration levels are up there and out there, but the the phone runs pretty red hot for during the day and there's a lot going on and stuff like that. So I don't know, but I know my tired times. I know that. So Yeah. Well, yeah. as they say, prevention is better than a cure. And obviously you're better off to keep it on the wheels, mate. That's the, that's the important thing. It's better on the wheels sitting in a rest area and just sort of poked into the yeah, scenery somewhere up the road. Do, do you know, like, and, and paying, paying a driver to stop, and have a break mm. is the cheapest part of your day. <laughs> you know, because once you start paying to recover that truck out of the scrub yep. as it's rolled over, yep. that is the dearest part of your day. Well, you get the cool boys coming out and they rub their hands together and say, oh, we'll pick this bloody thing up for you, mate. No worries. Yeah, yeah. We're going to, it's not an ideal line down there. You should have been in the park bay on your wheels. The Heritage Trucks are back for Brisbane, mate. Back for the Brisbane Truck Show. The Heritage Trucks, after a bit of a layoff, was a good uh, was a good take when the Heritage Trucks come into the Brisbane Truck Show to fill the floor when all the majors were pulling out because everybody coughed and sneezed and didn't want to go to Brisbane. Yep. So the Heritage Trucks stepped up and filled a good void, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's a it's a good thing. I, I, as you well know, but I like my old truck. You I, do. I push I push an old truck down the highway every day of the week. Well, I don't think you've had to push it, have you? Have you you've never had to push that thing, have you? <laughs> no, no, no. You did no, have no, some I blokes just... try and pull it, though, once, I remember. Yeah, I only watched that the other night with a couple of mates' kids uh, when I was around having dinner with a mate of mine in Espence and the kids, oh, Yogi, you're on here. Ridiculous. That's right, I am. What so happened there? What was the story? So, no, it's a pretty cool thing. Like they, We were approached uh, by how ridiculous, and they were looking for, you know, a truck. That looked like Optimus Prime, and I'm like, "Well, have I got a truck for you?" <laughs> <laughs> they look trans- They're really interesting uh, lads, and they, and they yeah, they're, they're great. And, and the science that they get into, yeah. and and the experiments they do are fantastic, you yeah. know. And so, so they decided to try and pull the truck, and uh, 
got a couple hundred people on the end of a tug rope and um, mm. didn't pull it. Because yeah, it's because you, <laughs> <left laughs> the, <laughs> you left the maxis on, didn't you? No, I didn't leave them. I let them pull it. I actually, they pulled the truck. Yeah. And then I just, just dropped them into Bog Cog and feathered the clutch and then we started going forward. So, yeah, well, you yeah, were going the yeah. other way. They were trying to pull you backwards. It was like a tug of war, wasn't it? It wasn't a... Yeah, so they did it with the Hilux. So they pulled the Hilux back. So so they had old mate in the Hilux and mm. he was going forwards and the crowd actually pulled the car backwards. Yeah. While the Hilux was in a forward motion. Yeah, so they put, so the, then, yeah, they put in four-wheel drive and it was a tug of war. Yes, yes. It was a tug of war against um, person versus machine. Yeah, it wasn't like Mr. Muscle pulling a bloody 747 along in his teeth or anything like that. It wasn't like no, that. No, no, no. And, you know, and then, and, oh, mate, there, Casino pulling the truck, you know. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strongman competition at Brisbane Truck Show. Yeah. No, it's it's not like that. It, it was actually, yeah, breaking traction to see if the science of, yeah, pulling versus friction versus traction versus all the other fractions you can figure out so yeah it's so, really really interesting stuff did, so you, anyway, put the, did you put the oh, power divider in no i didn't i didn't actually do that no, i thought that was a bit that's a bit cruel to the people because i would have pulled all through to next week if i had done that because <laughs> you know this, this truck as much as it looks like a little truck yeah and i don't think people understand this this is a big truck underneath it looks little but she's got a big heart this she's one it is a road train rated truck with a big big set of cross locks and diff locks and all that in it it, it does the job you know Big, so, big heart. Come on. A big heart. It's got a big heart for a little horse. It's got a big heart. So, <laughs> so where do you go? Well, you can see it on, you can see it on YouTube. Sorry? Yeah, the crowd didn't pull the truck. That's but, where we're going with that. And yeah. you can see it on YouTube. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. What else can you see on the how ridiculous thing? Um. So, I think one of the early YouTube videos was they threw a basketball off the side of a dam wall and went into a ring. Oh, yeah. So really, really interesting stuff with the science uh, and the velocity of a tennis ball and trying to land tennis balls in buckets. And um, they, they've shot arrows through balloons. They've thrown rocks through glass windows and, and see how far it'll penetrate. They've mm. they do a lot of real sciencey, interactive, just cool things. Just ridiculous things that are a bit science based. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you often wonder how far a washing machine would bounce, and they don't. Washing machines don't bounce. No, they don't. Yeah, <laughs> when you drop them from I don't know twenty twenty meters in the air, they don't have, bounce. Have you seen those idiots that try and drop land suites out of the first floor of a building and stuff? They're, they're obviously moving out, but we don't want to cut it down the stairs. We'll just lower it over the side. And, <laughs> oh, I know, and, I know, I know. Do you know? Do you know what the answer to that is? Ring a ring of furniture removal. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I've made a no sense. No, I'm onto it because, I, like, I know, like you, I've decided that. It's actually better for me to uh, – yeah. I did that last time we moved. I, you, know, you know how you go, oh, I'm a truck driver. I'll go out and hire a bloody truck. No worries. I'm going to pay yeah, these parts. It's not out of control. We can do this. We can do yeah. this. We'll get a couple of mates, a yeah. couple of boxes of yeah. stubbies. Give us that biggest four-and-a-half-ton rigid you got. That's I want one. to drive it. That's the yeah. one. That's oh, the one. Put yeah. a tire lift in there. That's the yeah. Yeah. We can do it. We can do it. Yeah. Nothing. No, we can't. And then horror furniture and, removals. And then about eight hours later, we're all absolutely sweaty. We're rooted. We've got furniture and shit all over the place. 
And you've got marks on the wall because you're trying to get a cancer up through a door that doesn't fit out the door, but you assume it will fit out the door because you know what to do about pulling the couch through the door. And all of us and blokes over 40 years old have got lower back strain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's oh. right. And we wonder why. We wonder why. We wonder why. Mate, seriously, <laughs> it's cheap. Eight hundred yeah, bucks. It's cheap. I know. I know. <laughs> come I know. come I know. and do it. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Let's let's have a bit of a think about it now. Thought for the day, or have you got a cooking thing for us? Uh, a cooking thing. Well, you told us well, about we, the we, egg last week. Yeah, I did say that, didn't you? You know, you like, didn't. yeah. I thought, no, not really. I've been no. pretty uneventful of my cooking this week. You yeah. know, I've just been cooking, yeah, cooking some rissoles and a bit of bacon and making salad, really. That's about all I've been cooking. So, yeah. Rissoles, salad and bacon. That's what you've been living on for the last two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, I've got a, well, last week or so, because I bought it when I left Kalani. All right. And and you know, Greek yogurt. Well, I've got a thought for the day for you because I've I've, I've actually (laughs) done my, I've done my homework. It's obvious I've got to hold my end of this deal up a little bit. You know. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. If you want to achieve success, stop asking for permission. That's deep. It is deep, isn't it? You can wade through that. I hope you get home shortly. I hope you get home shortly, Yogi. I hope you do. Oh, do brother, hang on before before you get too carried away. Do 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 do. Again, I'm still not there. Not I'm, there. I'm tired. Can't do it. I'm tired. I'm tired. Had a uh, had a chat with Senator Glenn Stirl last evening uh, because oh. the rest area steering committee's had its first sitting, and they've got nice. they've gone ahead and they've uh, looked at all the. Things that they can and can't fund, and yep. uh, had some had some discussions with the drivers who were there, and the uh, the couple of suits that were there, and the uh, briefings from the various departments that the rest area steering committee have got a reference to, etc., etc., etc. Long story, very very short. Mm-hmm. It's all starting to happen, mate. You're going to owe me a box of emus very very shortly. <laughs> Why, why would you bring that bet up to the general public, Mike? Hey, why, why would you bring that bet up with the general public? <laughs> because I'll tell you why. I'm telling you. I'm telling you why. Right? I'll tell you. What, would you like to know why? Like I said to Stell, I said, I said, you better make sure something happens because Yogi and I got a bet on this. And he said, what have you bet? And I said, oh, a box of cans, box of emus, right? And he said, well, you tell Yogi, put his money where his mouth is. I'll bet him a pallet. <laughs> a, a so right, my my end of the bet, ladies and gentlemen, was that I I thought it'll be another talk fest. Now I don't want it to be another talk fest, and I'm hoping it it steers in the right direction. Yeah, you know, and 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 then, but that was uh, look to, in in you know I feel like I say this every week in my defence, you know, and I said that about three months ago when the idea was floating, yeah. right, but. But, you know, not knowing who was going to be on the committee, not knowing where the committee was going to end and not knowing who was going to take it. And I'm very grateful to know half the people on the committee. Yep. So I'll stand by it. I mean, I'll stand by me better. I'm a man of my word. There's a box export on it at the On The Road Radio Christmas party. <laughs> you know, so we'll see uh, We'll see where it goes. So, But I really do hope yep. 
there's some good things. I really do hope there's some great inroads into facilities for truck drivers. I only, I only had this discussion with a very good mate of mine on a long-term east-west operator, and he was saying, you know, you need a parker bay big enough for 20 trucks, and he pointed out something very, very interesting. Yeah. You need a nice concrete strip about 300 wide through the middle of the parker bay so people can drop trailers. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to work on your truck and you need an or go into town, you can actually drop your trailer in safety. Yeah. And I thought, that's actually not a bad. I never really thought about that. Yeah. So yeah. so hopefully this parking bay committee does really good things and hopefully they show results because as you well know in the transport industry, when I when I quote a job, I do the job, I deliver the job, I invoice. It's simplistic at heart. Yeah. So hopefully something like a parking bay can be built fairly simplistic and efficiently and done and, and, and we move on and we start job. Because there's so many, I mean, there's so many parking bays well, I think on this road I'm about to drive on, on South Coast Highway, yeah. I've been coming down here for about 15 years and there's only been two brand new parking bays built on that road. Yeah, and the trucks have got bigger. But, but the, and the fatigue, you know, we, we, we're doing fatigue management a lot more. So, so you know, here's a little thought for the day. Then how, many, how many parking bays have been uh, built since fatigue management's become a thing? Yeah, not a lot. Not, not a lot. And that is the, the cold hard truth of not a lot. And, and where I end up in my thought process you know, and what I say to mates when I'm a betting man, because I remember I am Victorian, I will bet on anything, <laughs> you know. So even I've been in the West for 18 years, I will bet on anything. But, you know, and here we are having, having a wager on it, hopefully to go somewhere. So oh, well, watch we this space, go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we both have it go somewhere. I know it will. I've always, I've always had believed in my heart that it'll go somewhere. Yeah, without putting too fine a point on it there. I mean, obviously there are going to be rules about how the funding's delivered and all the rest of it. There's always bloody rules, you know. It, yeah. I get a little bit sick of the, the naysayers. Though, and I know you've never been one of those. But, yeah. you know, all the, they're saying all this money will be just wasted on consultants and that. Well, there aren't very many consultants on that panel, mate. I don't think there's one. There's all truck drivers. Yeah, and that, you know? yeah, I know. And that's the big thing as to who's actually getting a, yeah. a meal ticket there and who's actually being paid to be there and who's not being paid to be there on that community. Well, that I, committee. Think, I think and, and, most yeah. of them aren't being paid to be there, actually. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So, so so you just hope that the money goes, but, yeah, the money goes into the right direction and the right people and uh, the right ideas. Well, yeah. mate, I better leave you to it. Yeah, and do some work. Yeah, I think I think we're about to go. The fireworks are coming out. The D8s come out. Right All the Western Power trucks come out. I think I think we might be not far off the money and ready to roll. Right, take care of yourself. Yeah, mate. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. When they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. 
take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Welcome to On The Road Podcast. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you, Mike. It's Fatigue Week. Yes, it is National Driver Fatigue Week and it's an important week to focus all road users on the perils of fatigue where our campaign originally focused on truck drivers and heavy vehicle operators around Australia. We need to make the roads safer for our truck drivers by getting those pesky motorists to, <laughs> to, to behave themselves as well and, oh. and take their rest breaks. Well, everyone needs to have a bit of a power nap occasionally. Mine's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I sort of start to feel like a bit of a grandpa nap. Well, I think if you're out on the road and the road's humming along mm. and the traffic and you're doing regular routes, it can. It becomes a, a way of life that you start to feel tired. And look, that 15 to 20 minute power nap, she really reinvigorates you. Well, it usually turns into about 45 minutes for me. Is that bad? I think it's different for each person. Mm. But the most important thing is you you want to stay in a period of time before you fall into deep sleep. Yeah. That becomes a problem. Yeah. So for you, it may be 45 minutes. For me, it's uh, definitely the 15, 20 minutes. And yet I've heard many drivers say it's 30 minutes. Yeah. You will get your own rhythm. Uh, power nap is a guide to reinvigorate your mind and your body, kind of a body restart. And that's why it's important, but it'll be a little bit different for everyone. People can go to powernap.org.au and they can see your fantastic website there. You know what I reckon the best part about this website is? What is that? I reckon the best part of this website is that there's a rest area map there. So you can go and you can pick your state, even if you're not familiar with the road that you're on. You can pick your state and you can have a look at the road you're on and you can see where the rest areas are. There's even a little bit of a picture there of what, what you can expect. And I reckon that that's probably the best part of that website for me. Well, I think it's useful for people who are going interstate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you like that. Yeah. I particularly like the communications toolkit because so many people, in fact, a lot of truck drivers said to me, look, we'd love to get access to some of your stuff so yeah. we can put it on our Facebook page or give ourselves, a, you know, use the uh, PowerNap email signatures and all that. And I thought, what a good idea. So I put it up there. I got some great people to design those resources so everyone if they want to and their businesses can download those things for free and it's so simple to do and you utilize it because why we had a 12-month campaign for PowerNap is that long-term change will only be realized where our educational materials support each other and key messages are repeated over time the idea of doing it for just six weeks or two weeks or three months is not enough. If we want real change, we need to continually push power nap in various ways. Nice to see Sally Tipping put a big sign on the back of one of their trailers too. I like that. Uh, Look, the trucks are, we've got so much great feedback. I would like to put 100 trucks out there. I've got a quote for it, but I need funding. I need someone like the National Transport uh, Commission or the NTI or the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator to say, look, PowerNap is a viable strategy for our heavy vehicle fleet. 
It will save lives. I mean, we know that. The evidence is there. We need someone to come to the party and, and fund it. It's not for, for my wages or anything like that. I, I've got a full-time job. It's all just for PowerNap. We need someone to step up to the plate. Well, I hope someone does. Well, it's, it's a serious campaign for the National Heavy Vehicle Fleet, and it will save lives. We're losing too many truck drivers to driver fatigue. Losing too many people, period. Yeah. Righto, Andrea. It's great to talk with you, mate. Great to catch up, and uh, we'll see you down the track, eh? Look after yourself, mate. Love the show. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there, this is Bob McMillan. The issue at Port Botany where uh, one of the inland petroleum drivers was moved on by a security guard when he pulled up for a brief stop to uh, put his overalls and be ready to go in and load um, in Simblest Road raises some issues, uh, more than one issue in my book, and if there's not some people ducking for cover on this, there probably should be. In the article I read, uh, Paul McCallum the owner of Inland Petroleum, said, if you look at the Sydney Basin, where can a DG vehicle pull up legally and have a rest break? There isn't anywhere, and the whole thing is being brushed under the carpet by the regulatory authorities, but it's a major issue. Well, it is a major issue, but there's more than one major issue here. The first issue that struck me was that uh, Mr McCullum said he's written to the NHBR CEO, Sal Petrocito, and his local Dubbo member, Dougal Saunders, to no avail. Well, I'm pretty sure that Dougal Saunders and Sal Petrocito are quite happy to go and hold a press release any time they like when they've got some good news. It, it disturbs me that they haven't at least given Mr McCullum the, uh, the courtesy of a reply and come up with a quick fix. And there is a quick fix, because all someone has to do at Port Botany is have the brains to allocate an area probably about two B-double tankers length and a bit more for in and, you know, for excess and, uh, access and egress for people to be able to prepare to go in and load in the plant. The, tr the tankers are not allowed to uh, pull up in the uh, marshalling area for the container trucks, so they obviously need a little section of their own. How difficult would that be? But the main issue for me is how come these localised bodies with jumped-up security guards doing their dirty work people like the, or bodies like the, the, the Botany Council and, and the, the Port of Botany Authority, how come they can ride roughshod over national laws, or supposedly national laws, governing driver fatigue and all the other requirements under the chain of responsibility? It's about time the NHVR stepped up to the plate on this. They've done a pretty good job with uh, access for local roads, for heavy mass and concessional mass vehicles, especially in uh, rural areas. But uh, they've slipped up on this one. It's going to be very interesting, a very interesting meeting for the, uh, the first meeting for the Committee on uh, Rest Areas because there definitely needs to be a rest area in, in Port, at Port Botany. Mr McCullum made the point that... Uh, Drivers need to be refreshed when they leave on long journeys with dangerous goods aboard, and I couldn't agree with him more. It's about time someone grew up, woke up, and did something positive for a, a very essential part of our essential industry. We can only hope that uh, they don't sit on their hands and wait for the results of some long-winded inquiry 
surely a 10-minute zone could be organised very, very quickly if a couple of people could just be decent. Thank you for listening. Just because one song is never quite enough, here's Hurricane 4 once more with another of their hit songs, Another One More Time. Proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now.
The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.